Well, as you know, today is Memorial Day. And in that, normally, and we're going to do it now, we're going to ask that all the people who have served or are serving in any one of the branches of the military, if you would please stand. If you have served or are serving, please remain standing. may be seated, but I am going to ask that you would stand again in just a moment for a brief time of prayer. In preparation for Memorial Day here at City, I did a little bit of research, and in researching, I found a speech that deeply moved me that was given on Memorial Day in 1884 by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., I want to read for us an excerpt before we pray, an excerpt from that speech that he gave. Here's what he wrote. Here's what he said. But grief is not the end of all. I seem to hear the funeral march become a song of praise and triumph. I see beyond the forest the moving banners of a hidden column. Our dead brothers and sisters still live for us and bid us think of life, not death. As I listen, the great chorus of life and joy begins again and amid the awful orchestra of seen and unseen powers and destinies of good and evil, our trumpets sound once more a note of daring, hope, love, and will. I know that I asked you to just be seated, but for those of you who have served us in the military, please stand. I'm also going to ask that another group of people would join you. And that is, as if in your life, someone was lost, they gave up their life, they gave the ultimate sacrifice in, in service to the military, if someone within your family network gave the ultimate sacrifice, I'm going to ask that you would stand as well. I'm going to read a Memorial Day prayer, and I'm going to ask that everyone at City would now bow their heads but leave their hearts open, praying for those who are standing. This is a prayer that was prayed on a memorial, memorial Day event about two decades ago. Here's the prayer. In the quiet sanctuaries of our own hearts, let each of us name and call on the one whose power over us is great and gentle, firm and forgiving, holy and healing. You who created us, who sustain us, who call us to live in peace, hear our prayer this day. Hear our prayer for all who have died, whose hearts and hopes are known to you alone. Hear our prayer for those who put the welfare of others ahead of their own and give us hearts as generous as theirs. Hear our prayer for those who gave their lives in the service of others, and accept the gift of their sacrifice. Help us to shape and make a world where we will lay down the arms of war and turn our swords into plowshares for a harvest of justice and peace. Comfort those who grieve the loss of their loved ones and let your healing be the hope in our hearts. Hear our prayer this day. And in your mercy, answer us. In the name of all that is holy, Jesus Christ our Lord, and soon coming King. God, now we ask that you would be with everyone who is currently serving. 
and everyone who has ever grieved because of someone who has gone into service or has given the ultimate sacrifice. I also pray for those who have served, that you would bring healing to their emotions, to their minds, and to their hearts. And if they are struggling because of their service for others, please again bring healing into their souls. God, thank you for this incredible country in which we've had the freedom to pray this prayer and for those who gave their lives so that we could pray this way, publicly and together. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give them a hand again as they're seated. Again, thank you for your service. This morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series that will be carrying us throughout the summer. And in that, this teaching series will be called Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. And before we get there, stand, turn, and give two people a fist bump, say good morning, and then be seated. Real quick. You may be seated. You may be seated. The Bible teaches us that there are times where honor is due people and it's due publicly. I'm going to ask that the Bennetts would stand. Carolyn and Ernest Bennett, I want you to stand. That's you. Go ahead and stand. They have been married 60 years as of last weekend. Let's give them a hand. You may be seated. For those of you who are married, you know how amazing that is. So God bless you guys, and uh, so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Again, this new teaching series is going to be entitled Life in the Spirit. As you know, we spent a ton of time in the Scriptures as we looked for weeks and weeks at what Jesus did between His resurrection from the dead and His ascension to heaven. There are approximately 49 days, I'm sorry, 39 days or 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and His ascension, and then there were 10 more days until Pentecost. What I want to do this morning is we're going to begin a journey into what it looks like for you and I to live a life walking in the Spirit, life in the Spirit. Now, you're going to discover very quickly, especially at the end of this sermon, that this is a special Sunday for us here at City because we have two more, one couple and a single individual that has felt a call into full-time missions overseas. And at the end of this sermon, they're going to be brought up front. They're going to share with you briefly. Following this sermon, they will be in the foyer where you can get to know them a little bit better if you've been at City over the past few weeks, we've been showing a video highlighting the couple and then a video highlighting the single gal that have felt the call of God to go overseas and to serve in world missions. We already have a couple overseas, two couples overseas that are serving already, that consider City Church as their home church, and we are here to support them in any way possible that we can. But this morning's sermon is going to be a challenge to all of us about missions. If you were to look in the scripture, you would discover that Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, 
He is resurrected. He is in resurrected body. And just before he ascends to heaven, he gives to his disciples what we in the modern church world call the Great Commission. Every missionary that is serving anywhere overseas knows this text from Matthew. Again, it is known biblically or better yet theologically and practically as the Great Commission. So Jesus in resurrected body turns to his disciples just before he ascends into heaven and here's what he says. Therefore, what's the next word? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now here's what I want to tell you. The word for nation in the Bible is never about a country. It's always about a people group. So you could have a hundred nations inside of one country. So Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Now here's what we need to understand. Every major theme in the Newer Testament finds a biblical precedence in the Older Testament. And you can't help when you read the Newer Testament to notice that almost everything that happens following about a year or so in Jerusalem, everything that happens in the Newer Testament involves foreign missions. All of it does. The Apostle Paul is writing to churches that were planted during foreign mission journeys. The book of Acts, after Jesus ascends, does a few things in Jerusalem, and then he ascends to heaven, what you discover, and we're going to learn this morning, is foreign missions becomes the center of the heart of God. So what I want to do today is to challenge you biblically about the whole idea of God calling us to go. Well, what better place to start than in the first chapter of the Bible? I don't know if you know this, but the first command ever given to man was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was given to Adam and Eve. The very first command ever given to humankind was be fruitful, multiply, and Fill the earth. Following that, we discover that because humankind became evil, the book of Genesis tells us that God judges all of humankind. And in that, he raises up a guy by the name of Noah. Well, guess what God says to Noah as Noah exits, exits the ark? Guess what Noah said, or God said to Noah? What does he say? Say it out loud with me. Ready? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The same command that God gives to Adam and Eve, He gives to Noah. Be fruitful, multiply, go, fill the earth. But it's interesting, we looked at this last week, that there's an event in the Older Testament that is quite fascinating. It's called the Tower of Babel. And what we discover is, is that everyone among Noah's descendants knew that the command of God was for them to scatter, to go and to populate the earth. But out of sheer rebellion, those people said the following, let us build a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens to make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be, and what's the next word? Scattered over the face of the earth. And so what you have is that these individuals, at the time of the Tower of Babel, instead of being scattered, instead of going, say, we're going to build a city. We're going to refuse to move. We are going to hunker down and it's going to be all about us. And then the Bible says that God has a response to that. God says, come let us go down and confuse their languages so they will not understand each other. So the Lord, what's the next word? Scattered them over all the earth. So in other words, when the people got selfish, 
when they wanted their name to be great instead of God's name being great, God looks down. And in a form of judgment, God steps in and He confuses their language so they can no longer communicate with each other. And then what you find as you move throughout the Older Testament, that the major players in the Older Testament get a similar command from God. Here, we have Abraham. Some of you have never read the Bible. You don't know a lot about Abraham. Abraham is the father of the Jewish faith. God decides that he wants a people for himself. And in the book of Genesis... The Bible tells us that God comes down to a guy named Abraham and says, Abraham, if you will follow me, from you I will make a people. I'm going to be their God, and they're going to be my people. And in the midst of that, Abraham agrees to follow God, and here's the promise that God gives him. I will make you very, what's the next word? Fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So God shows up to the father, the literal father of the Jewish faith, and he announces to him, I'm going to make you fruitful, and nations will come from you. God doesn't just say that to Abraham, but he also says it to Isaac. As many of you know in the Older Testament, it goes, Abraham, Isaac, in Jacob. Here's what God says to Isaac. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and will give them all these lands and by your descendants all nations in the earth shall be blessed. You see, when you read the Older Testament, what you discover is God, as He reaches out to people, constantly repeats a theme. The theme is this, that if you're going to be my people, I'm going to bless you. But when I bless you, you will multiply. And in multiplying, you're going to be moving throughout the world. And so, then we come to the Newer Testament. When we come to the Newer Testament, Jesus, in the book of Matthew, says to the disciples what? What does he say again? Therefore, what? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So God says to his disciples, listen, through Jesus, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And then reading on, what we discover is, is the following. Jesus says this. In resurrected body, he goes to his disciples and he tells them the following in Acts 1.8. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can feel good. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be at peace with yourself. Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you to make you happy. Here's what he said. He said, you will receive, whole, you will receive power, by the way, that's the Greek word for dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. In other words, a power that rearranges things. Here's what he said, you will receive dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will... Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. But he puts it this way. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where you live. Samaria. Samaria are the people you don't like. Jews that lived in Jerusalem hated the half-breed Jews that lived in Samaria. Following that, you go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where else? To the ends of the earth. 
You see, as Jesus meets with his disciples just before he exits this world, he gives them a point-blank challenge. And it's not just for them, it's also for you and for me. Now, I want you to notice something about this text. This text says, the power of God will come on you through the Holy Spirit, and you will... Be my witnesses. You see, when I was younger, we used to go out into the city of Trenton, New Jersey, and we went witnessing for Jesus. We would knock on doors, hand out pamphlets, tell people about Jesus. I learned then I would have been the worst door-to-door salesman ever. But you see, we went witnessing. Do you realize that that is an incorrect biblical concept? Now, I'm not saying it's bad to go do that, but it's not accurate biblically. Because Jesus does not say, you will go witnessing. What does he say? You will be my witnesses. The idea is, wherever you go, wherever you are at, tomorrow at work, Tomorrow as you go to the mailbox, tomorrow as you get around the water cooler at work, wherever you are at, tomorrow as you head to school, wherever you find yourself, Jesus says, every follower of mine is a witness. So the question becomes, what kind of a witness are we? He says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. That's what you is. You is a witness for Jesus, wherever you go. Now, what we find is, is that then the day of Pentecost hits. Right after Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you find Acts chapter 2, and and what happens is, all of a sudden, God by His grace pours out His Holy Spirit, and when He pours out His Holy Spirit, that happens on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, something absolutely fascinating happens. And it's this. All of a sudden, people begin to speak in tongues. They begin to speak with languages they've never learned. And the book of Acts tells us on the day of Pentecost, there were Jews from every nation under heaven. There were people from every nation under heaven. And God, by His grace, empowered the 120 in the upper room to speak in languages they had never learned. And people recognizing that those speaking the languages had never learned them were blown away. It literally says they were bewildered. And in the midst of their bewilderment, it says, and they heard them declaring the glories of God in their own language. Now, if you were here last week, you already know this. But on the day of Pentecost, God reverses His judgment that happens at the Tower of Babel. He confused language then. Now God gives language to bring unity and to empower the sending of the Gospel. But if you were to read in the, in the book of Acts, you would discover something fascinating, and it's this. That after Pentecost, these new followers of Jesus, these new people that are now filled with the Holy Spirit, are living in Jerusalem, and things are going amazingly well. Several times we get updates in the book of Acts, and it tells us God was adding daily to the church of Jerusalem. But you see, behind the scenes, there's this constant echo of the voice of God that begins in Genesis chapter 1. And it's this, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Jesus said it this way. He said, when the dynamite hits you, When the power of God hits you, when God begins to rearrange your world, you're going to begin in Jerusalem. But then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. The 
understanding of God for the church is the church is never just about its local self. But built into the gospel, built into the Older Testament, is the call of God that we are called to be a group of people who go and partner with those who do. You know what's amazing? When you read in the book of Acts, after the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, everything's happening in Jerusalem primarily. And all of a sudden, there's a text that grips your heart. What has ended up happening is, the local authority in the Roman Empire has now turned against the Christian faith. We find that the first martyr after Jesus of the Christian faith is hauled out publicly. His name is Stephen. He is stoned to death. And immediately after he is stoned to death, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, at that time, the church in Jerusalem suffered terribly. And they were what? Wait a second. Isn't that a familiar word? It's a word from the Older Testament that speaks of God pushing people out. And it says this, And the church suffered in Jerusalem terribly, and they were scattered everywhere in where? Judea and Samaria. Wow. The church that is only focused on Jerusalem has now begun to walk the course that Jesus had told them to walk. You will begin in Jerusalem, but then you are to go to Judea, and then you're supposed to go to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And as you read the rest of the book of Acts, you discover that's exactly how the church expands. A church gathers together and gets healthy, and then God begins to call out, as He has, to every person that has ever known Him or followed Him. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Or as Jesus put it, when the power of the Holy Spirit becomes real to you, begin in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, go to Samaria, those people that you don't even like, and also to the ends of the earth. So what does it look like for us as a church to put feet to our faith or feet to your faith in the midst of hearing this simple devotional message on missions? What does it look like? How do we respond? Now, some of you sitting here may want to turn to your spouse and say, let's go into missions. And then you think where you want to go. The Bahamas. <laughs> I would love to go to the Bahamas for Jesus. But what we discover is in the Newer Testament that some people were called of God to put feet to their faith and they went to very dangerous places. We have a young couple from City who we support. We are their home church. And this morning, they are serving Jesus among college students in a Muslim country. This morning, we have a young family who exited the hospital at UVA. He was a pediatrician there, and now he is serving with the underserved in Cusco, Peru. God has a way of beginning to tap on our hearts as we follow Him. And as we do, we begin to put feet to our faith. But what does that look like for all of us? First of all, to be a witness here. To be a witness here. You're going to hear more and more about missions here at City. We're going to be taking some missions trips as a church if you would like to participate with us. But you know what's amazing? As oftentimes people want to take a missions trip, but they have never viewed themselves as a missionary where they are. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You start where you live. And then he said, you'll go to Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So what does it look like to practically put feet to our faith? First of all, 
We're a missionary here, right in Charlottesville. Next, we become aware of missions. That's what this morning's about. It is so exciting to me as the lead pastor to know that we have people that are already on the mission field, people that are headed to the mission field, and I just found out about another couple here at City that feels the call of God to head into missions within the next two years. How does that affect the rest of us? First of all, you pray, you give, and you consider going. But it always starts with prayer. You pray. You pray for those people that you're going to meet here in just one minute. You give towards them so that they can go and follow the call of God. This paradigm is throughout the Newer Testament after the resurrection of Jesus. You pray, you give, you go. And so now at this time, I'm going to ask that the first of our missionaries come out and join me. Ashley, if you'll come out and join me here. She'll be here in just a minute. I heard a chair rattling. That means that she's got a few feet to go yet. Come on out here, Ashley. Everyone say good morning, Ashley. Hi, everyone. Sorry. How are you? <laughs> good, how are you? So everyone say again, good morning, Ashley. So Ashley, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow yeah, up? I grew up around here. I'm from Crozet. You're from Crozet. What yeah. school system were you a part of? Uh, Western Albemarle. I went to Henley Middle School, Crozet Elementary, all the way down since kindergarten. So you're a local gal. I am. Awesome. So then where did you go to college? I went to James Madison University. Gotcha. And what did the Lord begin to do in your heart when you were at JMU? Yeah, he sparked an interest of missions and going overseas and discovering him in a global context. He's working in the whole country, the whole, um, the whole world, and I wanted to recognize what he was doing elsewhere. And so when you graduated from JMU, you felt like God began to stir a burden in your heart for a specific country. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the country where you're going and sort of what your plan is when you get, get there to minister. Yeah, I will be going to Ireland. I will be working in a church um, in Dublin. Um, there's a large um, immigration population there. Um, and I will be focused on college students, hopefully. Um, there's a large age gap. Um, if you watched the video last week, um, there's a large age gap of people my age not attending church um, growing up in a way where the gospel is not part of the culture anymore. People are very um, wary and um, they feel distrustful. Um, and so it'll be really cool to come in and hopefully work with people my age and um, bring the gospel in a new light to them. You know, it's interesting that the gospel came from Europe to the U.S. I don't know if you know this or not. But there is no longer any countries in Europe that from an evangelical gospel standpoint, every country in Europe is now less than 2% evangelical. Less than 2%. That is shocking to me. And what that tells me is Europe, my heritage, many of your heritages, what you're going to discover is that now those countries are flat out unreached people groups. And so now what's happening is many people in the U.S. are feeling the call of God to go to Europe and to share the gospel. We're going to be taking a trip to Europe as a church to go share the gospel coming up here in the near future. So Ashley, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. And Ashley will be out in the foyer following the service today. If you would like to meet her and talk to her, she's got a prayer card. You could pick that up. And also, at the end of the service today, we're going to take up a special offering to help support her for what God's calling her to do. So Ashley, if you would just step over there. And the next couple, that's, let's give her a hand. God bless you. Next is Josh and Jenna. Come on out here, Josh and Jenna. Everyone say good morning, Josh and Jenna. Hello. So, first of all, can you tell the, your church family 
What's coming up for the two of you in the near future? Our wedding. A week, four weeks from yesterday. Four weeks from yesterday. Why don't you stand closer to him? That way it looks like you're <laughs> going to get married. What was it again? Four weeks from yesterday. Are you happy about I'll be that? happy when we get through wedding planning and actually be married. Really? Are you involved with the wedding planning? As much as I can. That's what I'm telling myself, at least. Very good. I would make a comment about that, but I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> so you two are, well, you specifically are part of City Church. Do you want to share a little bit how sure. you came to be part of our church family? Sure. So I graduated from JMU also um, two years ago and took a job at UVA Hospital. I've been working as a nurse there um, and started attending City Church right away. And the first service I attended was a commissioning of the other missionary couple who was here. And so in the midst of Josh and I figuring out our calling, I knew that City Church was the place to grow and learn. So I've been coming here since. Good deal. Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself, too. Yeah, so I grew up in Centerville, Virginia, which is about two hours north of here. And along the process of uh, growing up and going to Bible college, God said, you need to go and do Bible translation overseas. So can you explain a little bit to people about Bible translation? Because most time when we think of missionaries, we think of a machete moving through the jungle. We picture Ashley preaching open air in Ireland in the middle of the square or something like that. So explain to us a little bit about Bible translation. Yeah, Bible translation breaks the mold a little bit because... Bible translation, just imagine a bunch of people sitting at computers in a room. Yeah, that's Bible translation. It kind of makes it difficult to send out an interesting newsletter because all the pictures are the same. We're translating Genesis in this picture. There's a bunch of people staring at computers. Uh, but yeah, there are 7,000 languages in the world, and of those 7,000, only 671 of them actually have the full Bible in them. And then 1,600 out of the 7,000 don't have a single verse of Scripture in them, which is such a huge contrast to English, where we have so many translations. And so when the gospel calls us to reach all nations, it means people group. And oftentimes, people groups are defined by languages, right? Yes. And so could you tell a little bit about what you'll be doing for the next two years in order to get ready to go and do what you're going to do overseas? Yeah. So, uh, well, do you want to take that one? Okay, so uh, we're going down to Dallas for the next year and a half where Pioneer Bible Translators headquarters is, which is the organization that we're with, and we will be studying basically how to be a missionary, so how to learn a language from scratch without zero curriculum, or with zero curriculums that you can learn from, um, also how to make an alphabet for a language that's never been written down before, how to take care of yourself spiritually on the mission field, those sorts of skills, and then we'll be hopefully going overseas in early 2020. So your next step is to go get the training you need in order to sit among a tribal people, listen to their language, and develop for the first time ever for those people actually a written language that goes along with the verbal. Is that right? That's what we're being trained to do. Every language is at a different spot. So we may end up with a language that does have a written form already, but we're training for it all. Good deal. Let's give them a hand, too. What we're going to do now as a church fan, first of all, how many of you are excited for these people that are up front? Are you excited for them and what God has called them to do? The Bible says Jesus calls us Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. These people feel called of God to go and do what God's calling them to do. Our part to play in that is to pray, to give, and then to consider going as well. Would you with me, we're going to pray a prayer over these three people. We're going to ask God to bless them, to provide for them, and to cover them. And so one of the things we like to do at City is to stand and extend a hand of prayer. If you're comfortable doing that, will you please stand with me? Let's pray. God, this morning, together as a church family, we lift up Josh and Jenna and Ashley to you. Lord, as they are now in obedience, falling, up, falling through with your call to go, to literally go to the ends of the earth. 
we ask that you will be with them. Not only that you would be with them, but you would provide for them spiritually, emotionally, and financially as well. Help us as a church family to pray and to give as other people are following through with going to serve you. So God, as each of these three are being trained or will be trained, we're asking that you would give them incredible wisdom, that you would give them incredible strength. Lord, in the midst of that, they will see your hand guiding and directing. And we're asking that the gospel will go to places where the light rarely, if ever, shines. But that the light in the life of the gospel will be taken to people and to nations who at this moment do not have a viable, powerful witness in which to turn. So Lord, cover them. Be with Josh and Jenna as they move towards their marriage. Be with Jenna as well as these three people follow your command and call to go to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray for this. We believe for this. And we ask for this now in Christ's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give them a hand as they're seated. God bless you guys. You can be seated. God bless you. God bless you. Ashley, God bless. You may be seated. What we're going to do now is we're going to take up an offering. And so if the ushers would now come forward, if you would like to make out a check, you can do that to City Church. 100% of what's taken in this offering will be separated and given to these individuals. Following the service, they will also be outside at tables. In fact, if you guys could head there now, go ahead and head back to your tables. They're going to head to the tables in the foyer where you can stop and get a prayer card. You can uh, talk to them, learn, learn a little bit more about them. But I want to pray one more brief prayer and then we're going to worship in closing. Lord, we live in a world that needs you. It needs you here in Charlottesville. It needs you in the surrounding counties. This world needs you in the darkest places in foreign lands as well. Help us that make City Church to be a church family, that we would be a church that is not just focused on Charlottesville, but that we have a heart for the ends of the earth as well. Lord, we pray for this and we believe for it now. In Jesus' name, in Christ's name we ask. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's stand together in worship. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned of
Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. Amen. Amen. And amen. You can remain in worship if you would like to. Our prayer teams are moving along the sides to pray with you and pray for you. God bless you. Don't forget to hang out for the ice cream sundae for a few moments. God bless.
to pour out and to show your love to, to the world, to the people who are standing right next to us. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you go with us and that you would um, be our peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Go in peace.